Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'll take a look at what's happening in Afghanistan from an aviation perspective, while Tom will see why there aren't any more Dash 8 deliveries planned. Joe will feed back from a raft of Embraer announcements last week, while I look at the end of the Boeing 747 family. Finally, we'll close out the show with a preview of something very exciting to come. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, I mean, we can't not talk about Afghanistan today. What's going on? aviation-wise there? Absolutely. It's been a crazy, crazy week. Well, weekend, really. Everything kind of broke down over the weekend um, in Kabul. Um, But of course, we're not into the politics. We're just looking from an aviation perspective at what's been happening. And uh, there's been quite a lot of notable things going on. So um, the first thing that really is to mention is that early on Monday, the airspace was kind of shut down. Um, It wasn't entirely shut down, but a NOTAM was issued for the Kabul FIR, basically saying that the airspace was no longer under their control and that flights would enter at their own risk. So this was issued by the Afghanistan Civil Aviation Authority, um, basically advising passenger aircraft to reroute away from Afghani airspace. So it didn't constitute an absolute closure, but it does mean that flights would operate with no ATC support and could be at risk. Um, So we did see quite a lot of flights diverting away from Kabul, which I will... Um, go into in a minute. Um, But one plane that did arrive was the Turkish Airlines 777. um, And it landed at 4.43 on Monday morning as an evacuation service. And, you know, this was like the most tracked flight on flight radar forever. (laughs) There were like 60,000, 70,000 people tracking this flight to make sure it got in and got out okay. Um, Lots of drama over whether it was going to make it, but it did. Um, It looks as if the plane attempted to take off around 45 minutes after it landed um, but had to make a return to the ramp Um, and if you've seen the scenes from Kabul airport you'll understand why because there were just thousands of people on the runway and making it absolutely impossible to um, for flights to depart Um, and the military were actually using Apache helicopters to try and sort of chase them off to clear the runway for the departing flights and after a little bit of a wait the flight did take off as TK707 we don't know how many passengers were on board but it made it back to Istanbul very safely um, hopefully evacuating some of the Afghanis in need Um, so in terms of the flights that rerouted I mean there were loads but notably there was an Air India flight that had come over from um, Chicago to Delhi um, and was just entering Afghan airspace when they got the NOTAM. And, you know, it's quite an interesting flight route because they did a really abrupt (laughs) U-turn and quickly left uh, Afghanistan's airspace. Um, They headed over to Sharjah to get more fuel and then they were going on to Delhi from there. Um, There was another Air India flight as well from San Francisco that had to be rerouted to the UAE. Um, So, you know, in general, this is going to, if, if the airspace remains uncontrolled, it does cause some problems for flights between east and west because you know that's a huge country with a huge amount of airspace that's almost you know inevitable to travel through if you're going between um, Asia and either Europe or North America um, 
But, you know, it's the last thing airlines need right now, but that's what's going to happen. And we're already seeing a lot of reroutings through Pakistan and Iran on the other side. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a bit disruptive for some time to come. Um, but the good news was that... Um, a U.S. Air Force C-17 managed to evacuate. The, I think the confirmed number is about 640 people on board. Um, so the Globemaster, initially reports were coming in that there are about 800 souls on board. But I think since they've landed, that's been reconfirmed down to 640. Either way, it's a massive number of Afghans that they managed to get out. And there's some really incredible images of all these people, you know, crammed into the back of this plane. It kind of reminded me of Operation. Solomon. Do you remember when uh, El Al packed like over a thousand people onto its 747 um, back in the day? But, uh, you know, that was really good news. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are saying not everyone will be able to get out. Um, and they're kind of desperate. You know, there, there was, like I say, you've only got to look on, on the internet and see these terrible images, really, of people just storming the airport, climbing on planes, trying to grab hold of landing gear as aircraft are taking off. You know, there was a heartbreaking image which apparently shows someone falling from a C-17 as it took off from the airport but uh, you know I, I don't like to share these things and I don't like to speculate but um, you know this is the situation we're faced with um, for now most airlines are not going to be transiting Afghan airspace for the foreseeable I think British Airways was one of the first to declare this it's ordered all its pilots to avoid the airspace um, Thin Air early on Monday said that it's not going to overfly the country um, Vistara United Virgin Atlantic Singapore Airlines they were also early declarers that they won't operate in Afghan airspace um, so as I say you know this will be indirect routes between east and west adding cost and time to hundreds of flights really mm. um, but you but can't put a price on safety no you absolutely can't um so you know from simple flying we hope that everything calms down soon and that there is a, a resolution to this or certainly that the evacuation flights manage to get out as many people as possible mm. well on slightly cheerier news i wanted to talk about the dash eight um if that's okay <laughs> <laughs> please do so um Air Tanzania has basically taken delivery of the last de Havilland Dash 8 Q400 to be built for the foreseeable future. And that's because the uh, de Havilland has suspended the uh, aircraft program indefinitely because COVID's just slashed demand for it completely. So I wanted to talk about this because last month Air Tanzania took delivery of the aircraft. And it's actually quite an interesting story uh, of how it got down to Tanzania because it's quite a long way from Canada. So <laughs> yeah. We, According to our friends at chaviation.com, the aircraft in question is registered 5H uh, Tango Charlie Hotel, uh, Tango Charlie Kilo even, and it carries the manufacturer's serial number of 4624, which incidentally is also held by an EasyJet Airbus A319. But according to data from flightradar24.com, the aircraft was delivered in uh, with the registration Charlie Golf Papa Papa Uniform, which is a Canadian test registration. Oh, right. But I would love to see a tiny little prop plane fly all the way from Canada to Tanzania, but it's not quite possible. So instead, the aircraft started at Toronto Downsview, where these aircraft were being built uh, in Canada. And then it hopped across to Goose Bay on the east coast of Canada, then across to Keflavik in Iceland, Rotterdam in the Netherlands, Heraklion in Greece, Luxor in Egypt, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, and then finally on to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. Wow, that's a lot um, of stops. 
Yeah, a lot of stops. It actually took several months because the first leg of the journey took place on April 28th, but um, the section from Goose Bay to Dar el Salaam only took two days um, from July 30th. Okay, so I guess they were storing it at Goose Bay for a little while. Yeah, I guess maybe there was some customs formalities or something. Um, what I did find really interesting, though, about Air Tanzania is just how varied its fleet is, because I had a look and it's got everything, you know, they've got two Airbus A220s, they've got two Boeing 787s, they've got six de Havilland Dash 8s, one Q300 <laughs> and five Q400s, and a couple of little Fokkers. Um, always wanted to say that on the podcast. Um, so... But clearly, wondering they, they don't believe in uh, fleet commonality, do they? Clearly not. No, that's um, definitely not um, O'Leary's cup of tea. Um, no. But I wanted to also talk about why it's the last Dash 8 for the foreseeable future. So the manufacturer revealed that it would fulfill the current orders that it has before bringing things to a halt. And it's basically suspended the program for the time being because COVID, like most yeah. things in the aviation industry these days, COVID. Um it's because people just don't want so many new aircraft right now and demand for the Dash 8 has really suffered. They do yeah. want to resume production, but there's no firm date or time or place for that yet um, because we just need to wait for Dash 8 demand to return if it does. However, de Havilland said it does remain committed to the aircraft program, so it's continuing to offer after-sales support, things like spare parts, maintenance advice and whatnot, if it's needed. That's good. But I imagine there's an awful lot of lightly used Dash 8s on the leasing market right now since the uh, mm. demise of Flybe because they had loads and uh, mm. not all of them were particularly old. So I should imagine it will be a little while before those are all filtered out to their new owners and um, and de Havilland can start building again. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for de Havilland and good luck for the future. Definitely. Well, from one little plane to another little plane, um, I wanted to talk about Embraer. Um, oh. Because their second quarter results contained a rather nice surprise, a profit. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> you know, this, that's uh, good. This doesn't happen often in uh, in the current climate. But, um, you know, if you think back, this time last year, Embraer was really struggling with um, restructuring its operations after its collapse deal with Boeing. And it had already begun to feel the impact from COVID. And back then it posted a loss of $204 million dollars. Um, but revenues in this quarter, the most recent quarter of 2021, came in at 1.13 billion, which was a year-over-year -year increase of 110%. So um, they reckon that the second quarter of 2020 was their lowest period, and now they're kind of getting back on track. Um, so you know they managed to get this better revenue because their deliveries, both of executive and commercial aircraft, increased, um, and. Of the second quarter, Embraer delivered an impressive 14 commercial jets. Um, of these, seven were E-175s and seven were the E-195E2 jet. And that compares to just four commercial aircraft delivered in the same quarter last year. So, so far this year, Embraer's delivered 23 planes on the commercial side, which I don't think is too bad at all, actually. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. 
But as well as its earnings presentation, Embraer took this opportunity while we were all listening intently to um, give us a really thorough presentation about its environmental, social and governance targets or ESG targets for the next few decades. Sounds awfully boring, but it's actually quite exciting. Um, So basically, the plane maker has committed to a zero carbon future. Um, One part of this will look to develop alternative propulsion technologies for its passenger aircraft. Um, And during the presentation, they revealed that their electronic flight demonstrator has conducted and completed its first flight. Um, Mm. So this opens a period of flight test campaigns. Um, This little aircraft, it's an EMB 203 Ipanema test bed. So it's not an E2, you know, it's quite small. Um, Embraer has developed it in in partnership with a couple of companies in Brazil. There's a company called WEG, which built the motor. The batteries were funded by EDP, which is a a major energy supplier in the the country. Um, But the key thing about this is that although it's a very small aircraft, everything they're learning about it will help Embraer develop new and innovative products for a more sustainable future ahead. Um, And as well as the electronic flight demonstrator, they told us a bit more, which I'm very excited about, about their new turboprop. Mm. Um, So my friend who I've chatted to before, Luis Carlos Afonso, he's a lovely guy, Embraer's SVP of Engineering Technology Development and Corporate Strategy. Um, He basically outlined the issue with turboprops. You know, he basically said that since regional jets kind of took over the very short haul, turboprops have lost their appeal. He reckons Mm. people think that they're old, noisy, they're cramped, there's not enough overhead bin space. I mean, I don't think any of us would argue with that. That is kind of the general consensus. I mean, that's basically what they did with the little um, e-jets as well, the Embraers, the the E2s. Yes, exactly. So Embraer wants to change all these perceptions of the turboprop. They're floating this idea of a high-tech 70 to 90 seat turboprop, which will use exactly the same cross-section as the e-jets. So from a passenger perspective, it will be as comfortable as an e-jet. You'll have no middle seat, you'll have spacious overhead bins. Um, But really interestingly, I think when we got some early images on what the turboprop could look like, it kind of looked like an ATR, you know, a couple of wings and a tail and some engines mounted under the wings. Well, now they are settled on a design that will use two rear-mounted engines. Um, And this, of course, you know, having the engines all the way back there by the tail means it will be a super quiet cabin. Um, They say it will also allow jet bridge compatibility, I guess, because you haven't got these huge props in the way of uh, getting a jet bridge attached to the side. So, you know, it's a real game-changer turboprop. And Mr. Afonso reckons it will replace the current 50-seat regional jets in lots of important markets. So that was really all they told us at this stage. Um, They promised more details later in the the year. And I think, you know, for me, I'm a a bit of a prop fan. And, uh, Mm. you know, there hasn't been a new turboprop for the longest time. So this is really cool. But we've got a long way ahead. Um, They have said in the past they're expecting entry into service in 2027 at the earliest. So uh, I'm going to be... an older lady by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that we're not sadly going to have to wait so long for is the kind of demise of the Boeing 747. And, you know, I thought I'd skip away to the dark side of the jump, uh, double-decker <laughs> world today. Um, <laughs> no A380s today, Tom. <laughs> no A380s. We're going to talk 747s instead. And, you know, what I found interesting was that Boeing, when they updated their delivery stats, kind of revealed that it really is the beginning of the end for the 747 because 
there's only nine orders for brand new aircraft now, which is single digits and the yeah. next um, now due to be delivered next year. So it's quite, it is kind of interesting. I am going to talk A380s because it's kind of like the double, double decker end, you know, because yeah. Airbus A380 is going to end and the 747 is going to end both in the same year. But it looks like perhaps the 747 will just beat the A380 in terms of how long it survives. Although, um, calendar-wise, because it clearly beats the A380 being over 50 years old now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's all kind of because UPS took delivery of a new 747 last month. So that means there's only nine left. UPS is going to take five of the aircraft and Atlas Air is going to take four. And these are going to be the last four because we had a surprise order for them earlier this year, if you remember. Yeah, I do remember. That was the very final four that will ever be rolled off yeah. the production line, right? Exactly. So all nine are clearly for the freight version of the 747-8 because the 747-8 passenger version never really gained any popularity, didn't really take off other than Lufthansa and a couple of other carriers. Mm -hmm. um, so according to data from chaviation.com, two are due to be delivered this month in August 2021. A further delivery is planned for September 2021, then one for December 2021. And then next year, we've got one in March, one in May, one in July, one in September, and one in October. So obviously, this could change because aviation never seems to stick to the rules, you know, <laughs> say one thing and then something else happens. Um, but I kind of have just lied to you when I said there's only a single digit number of 747s left to be delivered because there is technically a 10th aircraft, oh, although really? it's not brand new. Okay, so tell we me must, more. I, well, I think we talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm not too sure. Um, it was one of the ones that was a passenger 747-8 meant to go to Lufthansa with the right. manufacturer serial number 37826 and the registration November 828 Bravo Alpha. Um, okay. So basically, it was part of Lufthansa's original order, and I think it was used as a test aircraft for the 7478 program as well. So it's slightly heavier than the other aircraft and as a result Lufthansa was like thanks but no thanks so Boeing so used it. So where is it going? Well we don't know exactly where it's going. Boeing kind of kept using it. Um, it's already 10 years old because it first flew on April 26, 2011 which is wow quite a while ago for a, a technically brand new aircraft you know. Yeah. Um, it's going to an undisclosed private customer, so I can see it becoming maybe a private jet um, of the future, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see, really. Um, once it gets re-registered, I'm sure we'll find out fairly quickly, or if it starts flying, you know, we'll see where it goes, and then it'll probably be um, fairly obvious who's got it, because it's hard to hide a 747. <laughs> Um, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, like maybe a little um, private business jet's easier to hide. But, you know, if somebody sees a 747, especially if it's not in a 747 livery these days of an airline, then yeah. you're going to be like, ah, oh, there unusual. it is. It's a bit unusual. Yeah. Um, it's a bit sad, though, because it is the end of the era, in, an era, because the 747 first flew over 52 years ago. And there's not many programs where the aircraft are still being built, if any, that you can say that about. No, it's uh, it's got to be one of the longest running production lines for sure. Yeah. I think the 737 is just like a couple of years younger um, with all the new variations. But clearly, you know, the 747, it's the end of the sort of quadjet era anyway now. 
But it's nice. The 747 seems to have been built at the right time to really get the usage that they wanted because thousands were built and, you know, it it became a real icon of the aviation industry like Concorde. Yeah, it was. Everyone knows the A380, but it's, it's not really such it's an not icon. something no yeah. well you don't see it so often do you mm. and uh, not so many airlines bought it but uh, yeah. i'll be sad to see all of them go i have to say yeah well i mean don't be sad just yet because this thing is going to be flying for years now um you know it's popular with the cargo operators and if you think the the brand new one's going to be delivered next year even if they fly that for 10 years we're going until 2032 yeah, yeah, it is a long time. Um, you know? But maybe not so long for the passenger versions. Maybe they'll still yeah. be around to photograph, but not to uh, not to fly on quite so much. Well, I mean, the, the Lufthansa's keeping theirs uh, for the time being, so... Yeah, I don't happen I to live them. in Frankfurt, though, Tom. <laughs> Come and see me. <laughs> so to wrap up today's podcast, um, any avid Simple Flying fans might have noticed that earlier this week we announced our first ever virtual event. Um, this is going to be the Future Flying Forum and it'll take place over two days in November. Um, we're going to be featuring some of the world's most influential airline CEOs as well as interesting panellists. There'll be roundtable discussions where people can weigh in on real world issues. Um, there'll be an expo to discover new products and technologies. And of course, our inimitable AvGeek quiz, which I'm hoping very much my co-host is going to uh, run for me <laughs> well so, i mean i have a reputation to maintain now <laughs> yeah you are you are the quiz master so mm. uh, i do hope so so to set the scene on our event announcement here's a bit of a preview of the event brought to you by simple flying and our event partners avia dev hello everyone welcome to the podcast thanks you <laughs> thanks Yura <laughs> I think it's, it's for the very first time that we have four speakers in the room which is really exciting actually on the AVRF podcast I had every single one of you individually now it's fantastic <laughs> that we are able to talk between four of us uh, and there is a specific reason why we are here together but before we go into that uh, let's start with, with Simple Flying which is now actually the largest aviation news website in the world so we have Aaron the CEO and founder of Simple Flying so how did it happen who made it happen and where are you now with your current figures yeah so um, I launched Simple Flying three years ago now um, whilst traveling in New Zealand um, I kind of thought there there wasn't really a place for like a central website or publication for aviation news. It was very sort of segmented. Um, some were very corporate, some were very loyalty driven. And what I wanted to do is kind of make a, a very easy place for everyone to visit, people working in the industry, aviation geeks, and just general news readers to have a place to, to read aviation news. And uh, yeah, fast forward three years, um, it's been an absolutely crazy ride. Um, we now have a team of just shy of 30 people. Um, some are full-time, some are freelance, and uh, we're doing around 13 million pages per month. Um, and then we have a lot of reach on social media as well, and that exceeds around 30 million every month. Um, so it, it's been a, a huge, huge journey. Um, and really, we're just getting started. So it's, uh, it's very exciting what the future holds as well. Amazing, really impressive story of how you how you made it in just three years. So, um, and there is also another interesting thing that happened. Uh, was it two years ago or three years ago, John? Can yeah, you tell absolutely. Story? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was three three years ago, I think. Was it? Or was it two years ago? Is it 2019? 2019. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, 
with with everything that's happening with uh, with the current yeah. pandemic, time seems to be either be going very fast or very slow. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So yeah, from my side, I, I first became aware of the website. I saw some really interesting articles, and the way they were written was really engaging. And I'm not somebody with a sort of formal education in aviation, so I, it really appealed to me. And I reached out to both Joe and Aaron on. Um, on LinkedIn and we connected. And then I put out some messages to say to people, hey guys, I'm going to be at the Paris Air Show. If anybody wants to meet, that'd be really good. We got in touch, a couple of WhatsApp messages. And then I think we met by the static display in Le Bourget. Uh, and uh, we had a bit of a chat and I think we went to have a look at the Embraer E2, the Profit Hunter. And uh, yeah, we started chatting there and, and started thinking about how, how things are could possibly work together. I think that, um, you know, what a, what a beautiful place to start a relationship in Paris. Of course, I think many, <laughs> many have begun there, um, not just between airlines and OEMs or, or lessors and, and airlines, but also, you know, that it's a real, real, really great, great event where so many people come together. So we kept in contact and we've supported each other over the last couple of years with, content. We've been in, on each other's podcasts and uh, Joe's been fantastic coming and moderating sessions at different AviaDev events. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we, we just thought, let's see where we can take this. And uh, it's been a, it's been a great couple of years and it's been great to see that success that Simple Flying's had making aviation accessible for everybody. Joe, now it's your turn and maybe uh, you, you, you get the privilege to share with us why we are here together. What are we going to talk about? Absolutely. Um, you know, like Aaron said, it has been a crazy ride. And I think this year, you know, with the focus on staying home and being more digital, we've really had the opportunity to, um, you know, invest in our, our digital side of things. And, uh, you know, we've been holding these future flying webinars, which have gone down really well. We didn't think we could do it. Uh, you guys thought we could do it. And, and it turns out that we could, and they've gone down really well. So um, as kind of a climax to these future flying webinars we've been doing um, we have announced a brand new event which is going to take place over two days in November um, and this is going to be called the future flying forum uh, so on November the 10th and the 11th this year we're going to be taking a trip across the world virtually um, so we're inviting participants to come with us as we take off from the east and follow the sun to the west and uh, the simple flying team will be guiding you on your journey <laughs> from the comfort of your own seat at home. And along the way, we're going to be touching down with leading aviation CEOs uh, to have a chat about their visions for the future and um, to discuss what their plans are coming out of COVID. So um, we're going to be featuring longtime industry leaders to startups. And really, we're hoping to bring together the best and brightest minds in aviation to kind of look to the future after these really difficult couple of years that the industry has had. So as well as our discussions with CEOs, we're going to be having lots of interactive content. Um, we've got an extensive expo on the day, so you can go and check out the latest trends, technologies, products. Um, there'll be some demonstrations and presentations. And we're also going to be having some open forum roundtables where we invite the delegates to take part in the conversation and to help solve real world problems for the industry. Um, and then, of course, in true Simple Flying style, we will be hosting our um, highly popular Avgeek quiz at the end of each day. Um, so the dates again are November the 10th, and this will be focused on Asia Pacific and the Middle East. And we'll be running that from seven o'clock 
o'clock in the morning until one o'clock in the afternoon uh, GMT. And then day two, we'll be going through Europe into Africa and across the Atlantic to the Americas. Um, so that's November 11th, and that will kick off at 1 p.m. through to 7 p.m. UTC. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really cool couple of days and we're really looking forward to it. It's a huge challenge for us, but uh, I'm really excited about what it's going to hold. Absolutely. It's extremely exciting project and I think we are all looking forward very much to work on it. Um, Aaron, what is it that you are looking forward the most regarding this project? I just think, you know, from where we've come from um, and the fact that we're going to be able to sit down with so many leading CEOs in the industry. Um, yeah, I'm just so excited um, to hear what everyone's ideas are for the future, really, and, you know, how it's segmented across the world and, yeah, I'm just excited about everything. I, yeah, I can't contain myself. <laughs> <laughs> John, maybe you can share where is our role in, in the project, how Aviadev will be will be supporting Simple Flying with Future Flying Forum. Yeah, I think to, to build on Aaron's point, I think that the thing that we want this to be is really engaging and really fun as best as we can and super accessible. So it's going to be free to register for all of the, the, the delegates that want to take part. Um, and we're going to use a really, really cool system that uh, that's going to allow for networking and, and interaction and polling and things like that. So as Joe said earlier, you know, we're we're both fiercely independent. And I think that us independents need to stick together because a lot of people out there don't realize quite how monopolized, um, you know, sometimes the aviation media industry is and, and generally aviation it's, itself as well. Uh, so it's it's really good. We, we have that free reign. I think what we're going to do from our side, you know, what we bring is we've got over 25 years of running events, be that live, be that virtual, be that hybrid. We've done a, a, a huge amount over the last 18 months to get into the digital space. We were obviously already doing things like the podcast. So this is, as we said, episode 170 plus in, in Africa and 110 or so for Europe. So we were doing that pre-pandemic. We were very digitally enabled and uh, we've got those skills when it comes, when it comes to the event. But, um, you know, for us, we're just, you know, our, our, our theme this year for Aviadev Africa was innovate, unite and thrive. And I think what we're trying to do is we're uniting together both simple flying strengths and Aviadev strengths. And ultimately, we're going to then bring the industry together in a very accessible forum where, yes, we can progress the conversation, but we can ask the questions that need to be asked. We can do it in a really fun and engaging way. And we're going to use a platform that hasn't really been used um, by the industry yet too much, but it can offer some huge, huge and, and really wonderful uh, experiences for everybody. So do get registered and uh, we look forward to seeing you in, in, in November. There is a very lovely acronym I read somewhere, which is TEAM. Together, everyone achieves more. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic way that we are going to work on this together. And um, all of you basically spoke about the registrations, that it will be free for everyone to join from every part of the world. So the registration is already available on futureflyingforum.com. And um, Joe, what do you think? Who should register for this event? I mean, you know, we've positioned ourselves to appeal to um, a mass market, you know, to, to all sorts of people. So as much as a lot of this content will be um, targeted at people that work in aviation, we're also making it, like John said, super accessible. So um, av geeks, you know, aviation fans, frequent flyers, come along. It's going to be really good fun. It's not just for the industry, um, although we're hoping it is going to be really valuable to people in the industry. Erin, is there something you want to add the final touch? Who should, maybe who should not register? 
Absolutely nobody. And <laughs> it's really important as well if, if you are an app geek and you are looking to enter the industry in the next five to 10 years, um, it's going to be a super valuable platform for you to attend. John, closing remarks from your side. Yeah, I think I think again, just to build on that point, a thing that we're very passionate about here that that Simple Flying has been able to do is to reach everybody, and uh, we do a lot of work with the next generation, be that at university level or even below that. And you want to try and build a platform to inspire people. And the one thing that most people, not everybody, I'm not taking it for granted, but a lot of people now do have access either themselves or through a family member to the internet. And if you go on the Simple Flying YouTube channel, the AviDev YouTube channel, there's so much amazing content that you can access for free. And that's what we want to bring. We can inspire the next generation of aviators um, globally, and hopefully we can establish the Future Flying Forum as a forum that, uh, you know, I, I say hopefully, I'm absolutely confident it will be established as a forum going forward, which people will look forward to every single year. Um, of course, it will be virtual this year, uh, majority. There might be a few nice surprises in there, but who knows going forward. So I, I think, you know, for us, it's about getting that message out to the world and making it accessible. And, and the digital world has shown us what's possible. And the growth of Simple Flying since inception three years ago is just, it's incredible when you hear those numbers that Aaron talks about. We're, uh, we're very jealous, but uh, glad to be part of it. Absolutely. So the last thing from me, futureflyingforum.com, there is the place where you can register. And obviously we will be adding more and more information about the speakers and different uh, features of the, of the event. So definitely check this out, register for the newsletter, follow Simple Flying on, ev I think you are on every, or on every single channel that exists. <laughs> you are already on TikTok as well, is that correct? That's right, we are, yeah. <laughs> so what's TikTok? No, any joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so follow Simple Flying, follow AviaDev. We will be sharing uh, all the news about this fantastic online event, which we are looking forward to very much to meet you all there in November. So thanks a lot uh, for being with us today. Thanks a lot, John, Aaron and Joe uh, for your contributions. And yeah, see you in November. You thanks, you. Thanks, bye. You can find more information on this forthcoming event at futureflyingforum.com. Of course, it's free to attend, but spaces are limited, so do get your boarding pass soon. Have you got yours yet, Tom? Yeah, I beat you to registering, which was my sort of real achievement of the week. <laughs> I'm glad it made you happy. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.